The Word of God is meant for practical living on the earth. It is the proceeding word from the mouth of God that defines us, informs our activities, and shapes our behavior. Do you treat the Word of God as a manual or as a meaning? Welcome to Kingdom Conversations, where we break the Word down to actionable points, where we expound on what the Word is saying to us. Every one of us is able to hear our Father, God, clearly at whatever level we are at and draw out truths that can shift our reality and transform our day-to-day lives. This is the Cyrus Community. We continue looking at faith and this time we are saying that there's a difference between faith and capacity. When we talk about these two words, we are saying that let's look at our lives and ask ourselves, are we in faith mm-hmm. or are we operating in capacity? We are still talking about Deuteronomy 8.18 where God says that it is your season to experience my power to create wealth. And the reason we are doing this is so that he may establish his covenant that he spoke or gave to our forefathers, I've paraphrased. Mm. Now we are saying that we want to see that power to a point where we can say this is that which Mm. God spoke. Mm. God has sent us a word and that word has become flesh and is dwelling among us. Mm. We want to be the embodiment of God's promises in this season. Now today we want to continue talking about faith and capacity. capacity. And, And I think it's as we said. These two words are crucial to our momentum. And the reason they are is because we have had a history of where we look at faith as something either magical or uh, uh, leverage or something that we release that causes God to do something. Mm -hmm. So we had to get clarity when the Bible uses the term faith. And then when the term talks about the power to create wealth, what is the connection? Yes. How do these two issues function. In fact, as we spoke about faith and capacity, I think the major question then becomes, what is my part and what is God's part? Yes. How how, how do we function um, with God in the earth? Yes. What was God's intent from the beginning? And how does that operate? So that when we talk about God giving us power, what does he even mean by Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. And then how do we activate and actualize that power? That power. And I think the question that is arising is, um, to ask it in a language that we all understand mm. is that point where when God speaks mm. at point at what point does he let go mm. and allow me to be yes. at what point do I hear him yes. and start operating yes. is there a point now I'm asking you yeah. is there a point where now man says I've mm. received a word from God mm. now I'm running with it okay or are we walking in a place where saying we are in partnership with God maybe that's something okay. we need to and talk I, about I think our words sometimes don't fully qualify yes. because English is a very <laughs> limited language. Yeah. And so all the things you said are constituent parts of the complete. Okay. In other words, they are not wrong mm-hmm. the way we normally phrase them, but they are not complete. Mm. Because it's correct to say, what is God's part? What is my part? Mm. But it is incorrect to think that they are therefore disconnected. Yes, that God is here. Yes. He has released the word. Yes. I've received it and I'm running exactly. with it. Actually, we always say, yes. run with the word. And exactly. we think we are running on our own power, that's our strength, issue. and our strategies. Yes. So that's how we think about it. Mm. And many other times we think about, no, God is acting on my behalf. So there's this two sides. In, in other words, we are so built into a Levitical model that it's usually spirit and Flesh. Yes. Natural 
supernatural, yes. as if they are disconnected mm. parts. Mm. Now, the only way to begin to see this correctly is, again, we have to go back to Genesis and look at Adam, okay. where God said, let us make man let them. Mm -hmm. All right? Mm -hmm. And God formed, Genesis 2, 7, and mm -hmm. God formed man. In fact, if you go back a few scriptures before that, it says, and for it had not rained in the earth, for there wasn't a man, a man to till the land. Yes. Showing you that certain activities that God designed only function in the context of man being available. Mm. Mm. All right? Yeah. And man, therefore, acts on those things, not disconnected with God, but more, for lack of a better word, visibilizing mm. what God is doing. Mm -hmm. So man's acts become the manifest okay. picture of what is God's intent. So whenever we say what's God's part and what's man's part, it's really an oxymoron because God finished. Mm -hmm. But man is now executing okay. what God finished. Okay, so let me ask you a yes. question. Somebody is watching and asking, is faith a gift from God? Aha, that's a very good question. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you why. You know, we, 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 the thing is that we've got this kind of interaction that we need to work out, and today we'll walk a bit through it, where we're not able to separate where God ends and where man starts. Okay, okay. In other words, what is it that God does, and what is it that is required of us, mm. and how does this together become reality? Why would God say he wants to do a thing? Right? Yes. So I, God, will not do a, a thing, thing in the earth. So he intends to do a thing. Okay. Until I tell my servant, the prophet. Why is there this relational model? So today we are actually trying to look at that point. Yes. The way you've put it nicely. Yes. That we want to see where does God end and man start? What yes. is that gap? Because exactly. that's when we are all getting lost. Exactly. When we say that you walk by faith, trust God mm -hmm. that he will come through for you. Yes. At what point does God stop yes. and allow me to yes. move? Yes. Yes. That's what we're yeah. talking about. And, and, that's what we want to see. Or, or even to look at it even more complexly, where in this tandem of work, which one is mine, which, which one is God? Because sometimes it's a continuous movement, and half including the time, both. We notice that every time we're talking to people, it's yeah. almost like their part yes. they relegate to God. Exactly. And you feel so convinced, like, no, listen, you talked about faith. You say that God, I need to walk in rest. Yes. Now that walking in rest is God when I'm me. I'm saying thing. God take everything. Exactly. Just, just fulfill everything. So, so with that, let me answer your question. Okay. Is faith a gift from God? Mm -hmm. No. Please explain. <laughs> <laughs> if faith was a gift from God, then it would be God's responsibility when you don't have faith. Mm. If faith was a gift from God, it would mean the only reason things have not moved is because, because God, God has, has not, not given me faith. Mm -hmm. So I'm waiting on faith from God so that I can accomplish. Mm -hmm. So that concept of faith being a gift from God is, in, is interesting because it creates a dichotomy that there is something God hasn't done yet okay. that you are waiting for mm. so that you can actually move so it's not your fault all right the question so, is how do you even know okay faith is not a gift from god mm. but faith is from god good that's where the word says that faith comes by hearing yeah hearing the word of god so the word is from god yes that word comes with it Yes. packaged yes. inside of the word yes. is faith yes so faith is from god but it's not a gift from yes. god yes and you know i know some of you biblical scholars are going to go to the gifts of the spirit and talk about this one that called the gift of faith, faith. now the gift of oh. faith is because you have faith mm. that that gift functions 
It is not you being given a gift called faith. Yes. It is you functioning at the highest level of faith. So you are operating, you are doing this thing by the faith. gift of wow. faith. And it will be contradictory if yes. we say it's a gift of faith yes. using that scripture yes. where we say, wait, it is impossible to please God without, without faith. faith. Yet then you are telling me, yeah. okay, gift. And this gift is only being given to some specific people. Exactly. There are some people with the gift of knowledge, others the gift of interpretation of dreams yes. or um, tongues, and yes. then others with the gift of faith. So you'd be like me, I don't have a gift. Yeah. But God is expecting me to have faith so as to please Him. There you okay. go. You notice this is not the same thing. So can we settle it that faith is from God, but faith is not a gift from God? Mm. Now, this is the power of why faith is so powerful. Yes. Because it means God has made faith available. available. Yes. Every man and the Bible says to every man is given a measure. Doesn't mean God has distributed measures. Mm. It says there is a measure for every man. Mm -hmm. You see, understand that concept. There is faith available okay there is a measure of faith available for, for every, every man to Please every man it is <laughs> let's go back to that because when you say to every man there yes. is a measure of faith yes so there's this bucket of faith yes right you some things just to understand yeah so you're saying yes that faith is available yes okay yes because to every man there's a measure mm -hmm. so you can you're the one who gets the measure mm -hmm. God doesn't measure it he out He doesn't pick and give no. you. That's your faith. He, the faith is available and every time you hear the word, faith comes, which means it is available. It's a component mm. inside the word. Yes. But you determine how much of it remains. So faith, like muscles, we always use this statement. Yes. Like muscles, you need to exercise your faith. And we are going to see that today. Yeah. Because when you say faith is not a gift from God, and yet it comes from God, and yet you need to live by faith in this earth. Yes. So you can see, it's like God has released this thing called the word of God, mm. which in it is faith. Yes. Which you live, need to live by in the earth. Exactly. Now you notice it is you who have to make a choice to live by faith. That's God it. can't make you live by faith. Yes. The righteous shall live <coughs> by his faith so you will determine how, how to live with that okay. faith so we have established <laughs> faith is not a, a gift. gift acts chapter 17 verse 26 and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and he has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings and what times here again is kairoses he has pre-appointed their Kairoses and the boundaries of their dwellings. This simply means God has an amazing purpose for your life, which is not tied to dates or calendar dates, but to opportune moments. So He has set their kairoses within boundaries. The word within boundaries here is not God creating limitations for us. The word boundaries here actually means that God has defined the environment of maximum output. Think about it. A boundary means a jurisdiction. It means a place where you will excel and be fulfilled. So the scripture here is telling us some very interesting things. That God has actually set the environments where we should function. Let's look at that scripture again. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. And he has pre-appointed their, he has determined their pre-appointed Kairos says, Acts 17, 26. So, if God has already set this for us, He wants us to live in Kairoses. Those Kairoses have boundaries, meaning they have environments in which we are meant to excel. Now, this 
environments, as we saw in the last discussion, is not tied to a calendar date, but to opportune moments in God when massive things happen coming out of the heart and mind of God. So if this is the context in which we are supposed to live, it's important for us to understand exactly how this works. And please understand, there is no formula. We cannot now start to sit down and create formulas for how to deal with God. We can't start calculating dates and numbers. Numbers help us interpret concepts. Numerology is part of scripture. But numerology does not determine outcomes. Numerology helps us to understand patterns. That's all. Too many times one, we think we can use numbers to predict the future. No, we can't. We can only use numbers to understand our times. That's how it works. Now, another scripture that helps us look at this more closely is Daniel 2, 20-21. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for, his, for wisdom and might are his. Verse 21. And he changes the times and the seasons. Now this is very important. Blessed be God, wisdom and might are his. He changes times. Now the word times here is interesting. This is the same word, chronos. He changes chronos and kairos. He changes times and seasons. In other words, God changes natural time and he also changes kairoses. When that happens, what are the changes? Does that mean God makes the hours less? No. Does it mean that God now shifts and works within weeks? No. It's basically saying that these times as they were set, the seasons begin to mark the activities of God. And Daniel goes on to say, within those, he removes kings and raises up kings. Now, I think we need to understand something. When we say God removes a king and raises a king, we think naturally, and we always think that the way God will remove a king is by killing one, or deposing him, or by a revolution. It's interesting, when God actually removed Saul, he stayed on the throne for 25 years. Why? Because God is not bound by calendar time. So the fact that God said clearly through the prophet to, Samuel, uh, to, to, the, to the king Saul, through Samuel, that your kingdom has been taken from you today and given to another, even though that date in Kronos was real, Saul didn't go away from the throne that day. Saul went away from the throne during a Kairos moment. It was an opportune moment for David to ascend. That's when he actually lost the physical throne. But in terms of how God was now planning in the earth, things had changed. So when he says he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So that scripture is basically saying, listen, when it is God who sets up kings and removes kings, while he has already set time and he has set kairoses, it is him who functions in that and he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Meaning you can't give wisdom to a fool. You must have grown in the capacity to handle wisdom before he gives you wisdom. He didn't say his words make you wise. He said he gives wisdom to the wise. Meaning wisdom is an experience you grow into and he trusts you with more of it. Then you can interpret things correctly. Daniel should understand this. Daniel knew God had spoken about a time when they would be free. 70 years later it had not happened. For 70 years Daniel had no problem with being in Babylon. 
For 70 years, Daniel had no crisis. But after the window of time, the Kairos moment arrived. The date that hit 70 did not change their captivity. It wasn't the 70 years. God didn't say, on the 70th year, I'm going to remove you from Babylon. He said, after 70 years, meaning within that chronos of time, things will run the way they do. Past that chronos, I will require interaction to bring a Kairos moment into the earth because everything will be arranged for what I had said. And Daniel began to sense that Kairos moment. And that caused him to pray, to ask for wisdom and insight. That was the Kairos moment that activated Cyrus, that changed the season they were there. God works in that way. So when this scripture says God sets up kings and raises kings, we have to get out of the idea that God is per se dealing with a particular king. I know the church sometimes we want to deal with a king and say God remove him. No, God doesn't just remove kings. You can't get rid of Nebuchadnezzar if Cyrus is not ready. It doesn't work that way. God would rather raise Cyrus first. He spoke of a Cyrus before he ever spoke of a Nebuchadnezzar. The purpose of a Cyrus functioning pre-existed Nebuchadnezzar. So Cyrus was not a response to Nebuchadnezzar. God wasn't responding to Nebuchadnezzar to raise Cyrus. No. God had already said, at the set Kairos, he will raise Cyrus. So that's how we have to set to understanding how God moves in time. That's why he said to those who have discernment. If you go back to the same story of Daniel, the Bible says, I, Daniel, understood wisdom, discernment, by the books of Jeremiah, what should have happened. So it took wisdom, discernment, understanding to decode the Kairos moment that God was moving into. And, and I liked using terms like critical. And I use them deliberately mm -hmm. because when something is critical means if it isn't engaged in, you lose something. So when you're told you, this thing is critical to you, you are doing something, mm -hmm. it means if you don't engage it, you'll enter a crisis. Mm. All right? Now, every community, let me use some examples and metaphors. Okay. Using the pattern of the nation of Israel. And here I'm just using an, an issue of a form for us to understand what I'm saying. The nation of Israel was a nation, singular, all right? Mm -hmm. And they had tribes within the nation. Those tribes had one king, one language. Mm. And the funny thing about those tribes, if you went back a few years, they were brothers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because the 12 tribes were 12 brothers. Mm. So this was not only a nation, it was a family. Mm. So I want those things to get into our mind. So that as we begin to function in jurisdictions of nations, we are not divided as denominations. Those are our brothers. Because they were brothers. Every tribe was a brother of another tribe, literally. Mm, yes. Alright, so I'm using it as a form. Yet, though every tribe functioned separately, they functioned for the benefit of the whole. Alright? Each tribe was not described in our language with with the language they spoke or the color of their skin or no it was in the function that they were to carry out in the purposes of god for the nation mm -hmm. all right yes why we say that and many many times we'll say if we're to be given a definition and i'm using it loosely because we have to be careful not to get legal we're looking at functionality not label mm -hmm. 
okay? TCC, we would say if we were to look for what tribe structure we fit, we fit into, would say the sons of Issachar. The ones who understood the times and the, and the season mm -hmm. and what they ought to do. Israel ought to do. Yes, the whole nation. The whole nation. So even though they knew what the whole nation ought to do, they didn't do everything everybody did. So when you talk about function here, yes, even though we are different tribes, yes, and here we are talking about the sons of Jacob, yes. we are looking at the, the 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 twelve sons of Jacob. Yes. Now these sons, each of them was a tribe. Yes. I love what you've just said. Even though they were a different tribe, yes, they were. Family. family. It is all about being a family. Yes. It is not us versus There's them. There is no competition in the family. In the kingdom then, of God, yeah. we are us. Listen, all of us together. When brothers compete, we have civil war. <laughs> <laughs> and civil war is the best thing, the best news to your enemy. Mm -hmm. Because you've already reduced resistance. Mm. The best news to your enemy. Yes. When you're not operating together. And That's why are we talking about this thing? Today we want to describe what is thriving yes. in the promises of God. What, yes. How do we thrive? Exactly. How do we walk in these promises that God has spoken? Yes. God says he has given us the power already yes. functional. We yes. know that heaven was not waiting for this year for them to release. The power is there waiting for a people. Yeah. It is a people who are supposed to be. Now, if we don't understand as a people, we are a family, and even in TCC, we don't see ourselves as different people coming together. No, we are seeing ourselves as the family of God, yes. and God being our father is looking at us as his sons yes. to operate in the earth. Yeah, and, and for, for you to understand that, mm -hmm. if God spoke to Israel, Oh Israel, hear this or hear that. Mm. And Moses would then tell Israel what God has said. said. Yes. Or David, whoever is leading Israel okay. part time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That statement overall that was given to them, each tribe broke it down to their functionality. Mm. Okay? Yes. So if God said, let's move this way or let's go to war or let's build, each tribe would interpret build in the context of their natural functionality, gracing, gifting, and skills. Mm -hmm. So there would be a national proceeding word, but there would be a tribal proceeding word. And this tribal, again, we keep emphasizing, yes. the tribal here is function, meaning yes. there is a functionality yes. proceeding word. Exactly. What are you supposed to be functioning in? Exactly. Okay. And within the tribal proceeding word, there would be heads of homes proceeding word. Mm. Then there would be individual proceeding word. So to simplify, assume God said, let's go to war. And your tribe were the archers. Mm -hmm. All right? Yeah. War to you would mean go and tell the guys who make the arrowheads to start making arrowheads or checking that they are enough. Mm. The guys who make the bows to check the strings. The person who, who needs to train on accuracy to get the people out and start target practice. The p different people. So like you said, even though they are all in the um, family yes. of Benjamin, yes. they all have different activities. Exactly. What about people like Judah? They're in worship. Yes. So if they were in worship, they understood. Worship had two dimensions. The dimension of declaring that which they've seen in the heavens mm -hmm. and speaking it into the environment to create the atmosphere where the war will be won. So there would be worship for the nation, 
and they'll be worshipped for the enemy. So that <laughs> there's songs for the enemy. There's songs for the there's enemy. There's a time we must release the yes. sound of war. Yes. It's not every time you're or singing, you must always sing facing up. Exactly. There's what you call the worship of the Father. Yes. Where when I sing His praises, exactly. because I'm seeing what is happening here. Yes. But when I'm looking at my enemy, I mean, I'm not looking at the devil telling him, praise the Lord, you and see? he will bring, listen, yeah. there's a sound of war when you're facing your enemy. So, so if you were the one with the trumpet, mm -hmm. you knew the war trumpet sound. Yes. You knew the celebration trumpet hmm. sound. Yeah. And you knew the warning trumpet sound. And you knew the call to prayer. The most important thing about any process is that it has an outcome. Oh, yes. Otherwise, <laughs> it's not a process. If it doesn't have an outcome... That's why it's, it's called a process. Yeah, it's, it's just activity. It's it not starts here. Yes. And you must see an outcome. Exactly. And okay. there's, a, there's, a, there's a progression. Mm -hmm. Now, every time God speaks, he only has one intention. And that is found in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 11 to 12, where he says... It says, and the word of the Lord came to me asking, Jeremiah, what do you see? Mm -hmm. And Jeremiah replies, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the verse 12 says, you have observed correctly, said the Lord, for I am watching over my word to accomplish it. Now that's very interesting. It says the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. So a word comes. Then God asks a weird question. What do you see? Mm-hmm. Okay. He knows yes. what he sees, but yes. he's asking you, yeah. man, yeah, what do you Have see? you noted that the word expects you to see? Mm. You'll see why that's going to be important today. Mm. He says, then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and God asked him, what do you see? So every time the word of God comes, it gives a sight. Yes. So anything you've heard, yes. and you have not seen something, yes. we always say something, that every time we get the word, it comes to us in form of pictures. Exactly. We can see Jeremiah. He sees a tree. Yes. Yet God is asking him, what do you see? What do you see? And Not then, what do you hear? Yes. And then God, God tells him, you have observed well. Yes. So it was not just simply seeing. Yeah. You have observed well. Does that mean you have heard well? Exactly. <laughs> then he says, I will watch over my word to accomplish it. Some versions say, to perform it. So God gives a word. He expects us to see here. Two dynamics we look at today. Mm. And then he will watch over it to accomplish it. Now the question is, how does God go about watching over his word mm. to accomplish mm. it? That's what we need to find yes. out. And, and what does it even mean? How does that work? I'm watching my word to yes. perform it. Yes. Okay, let's go back to the beginning yes. again. God says, I have sent you a word. Mm -hmm. Instead of asking you what you've heard, he asks you what you see. Yes. Because if you hear and it does not translate into sight, into mm -hmm. a picture, into something that you can stretch out to get into, mm -hmm. you've not heard. Exactly. So right now the best question to ask is, yes. if I've heard, if I say I have an instruction, yes. if I say there's a proceeding word that I've seen, yes. God is asking you. What have you seen? Yes. What, what, what outcome what a, yeah. is in your mind when you hear this word? Mm. What, what, how do, in, some, in fact, let's take it home. Okay. How do you see yourself in it? Mm. How do you see yourself in it? What do you see yourself accomplishing mm. because of what I have said? That is becomes Accurate possible. interpretation. Yes. Accurate interpretation. Yes. Now you're asking a good question. God says, I have, I'm watching over my word. Mm. To perform it. Yes. Or to accomplish it. Yes. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Now, God's intent, always, and please, please, mm -hmm. do not lose track. And I'll say that more than four times today. Because it's easy to lose track today. 
not lose track that we are talking about the season we are in. The proceeding world we have the power to produce wealth. So assume you are Jeremiah. Mm. Mm. And you receive the word said, this is the season that God is releasing to you the power to produce wealth. Then God is asking a question, what do you see? So this is that point where we actually take a break and say, listen, yes. ask yourself that question. Yeah. Write it down. Don't just sit there watching. You know some people when you watch uh, conversations at 8 p.m., eh? half the time you're having your dinner and you're just, <laughs> well, passing time. Sometimes you sit and write, yes. what do you see? You what actually you see? think about it. You actually ask those questions to yourself like, yeah, really? What am I seeing yes. in this season? Where am I seeing myself? Exactly. How am I interpreting myself in this world? Yes. That's what we are now, asking. Now, to even come to the place where you see, mm -hmm. there, there's almost like a priority position. First and foremost, you must be clear in your heart and in your mind that it is his word hmm. that you're looking into not your own variation. It's a good one. You see, the thing is, what do you see? Of what? Of his <laughs> word. Of what you have shown yes, me. Yes, not your ideas. Mm. The Bible is clear. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, not Jeremiah's opinion. Mm. Not Jeremiah's ideas. Not Jeremiah's desires or concepts. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Then God asked him, what do you, you see of what I have brought? Yes. There's this issue of secular and spiritual. Yes. Okay? Yes. Now that thing has given us the wrongest is such a word. Yeah. That, that, yeah, the creator. Okay? Word. Wrongest <laughs> identity of who we are. Exactly. Because when I come as a secular person, yes. then now I am a spiritual person. I'm born again and I'm in charge. In this spiritual world, you're speaking to me things yeah. and telling me to find myself as a spiritual person, yes. but I get rid of my what I call secular. Exactly. Now that dichotomy, please talk about that dichotomy fact, because that one is what we need to destroy. I want to start by destroying the biggest hindrance to our seeing ourselves correctly. It is the word Christian. That word has become a curse. Our weakest link. Not a blessing. Yes. I'll explain why. Mm -hmm. the, listen, the word Christian is mentioned once in the entire Bible. Once. Mm -hmm. And its mention is not an identity that believers had. It is a description and believers had describing those who had been with Jesus. Mm. Yes. I'll say that again. They look at our people, they say, these guys, they remind us of that guy. And it's not a guy they liked. It's not a compliment. Exactly. So it was more <laughs> of a mockery. Yes. Now we take the mockery term and then we give it definitions. That God never gave it. And that is what we live for, that I am a Christian. Yet that Christianity is what is causing you not to understand who you Absolutely. are. Absolutely. Now we've lost our true identity, which is the son of God. Thank I you. am a son of God placed in this earth with a mission yes. from above, from Aha. God my father. Aha. And this God my father is not in heaven and I'm in the earth. He is in me. Exactly. There is no dichotomy of spiritual and secular. Yes. So when we take this thing of Christianity, yes. we always think that I am a Christian yep. and I'm going to church. Now let us unpack Christian. Mm -hmm. This is the problem. Christian means somebody who is saved, somebody who must be separated from the world, somebody who is going to heaven, yes. somebody whose relevance is only found in church. Mm. So your relevance is found in church and in heaven. 
Please say that again. That's our it. relevance as Christians. It's only found in church. Hmm. And we think our assignment is to bring more people into that space called church. Hmm. And to prepare them for a place called heaven. Now, there is no scripture. I'll say that again. Hmm. There is no scripture that gives us that instruction. Okay, stop. We created our own instructions. Here is a Christian who now has an identity yes. that is only relevant yes. in a building exactly. on a day of the week yes. for three hours. That's it. Maximum three hours. That is it. That identity is what you're thinking that that is all I am. But I have six days out there where I cannot apply this three-hour definition exactly. of who I am for six days. So I don't know how to apply it. So let me ask you. Paul, then Saul, was in Antioch where they were called Christians. Okay. Paul never took on that identity. Because mm. Christians, they were saying, these are little Christs. Yes. Trying to behave like that Jesus. That's like it. that man who came and said that he's dying for humanity. Yes. They were mocking them. They were yes. not complimenting exactly. them. Exactly. It's like saying, Muslims are called Mohammedans. Mm. Or, or, or the, the Chinese are called Confucians. Mm-hmm. What is that? That is not a reality. When you go into the New Testament, no single writer uses that term. Mm-hmm. None of them so, refers to them by that term. When you talk about this term called Christianity, yes. now that's the source of our dichotomy. Yes. That is where we come in and start saying, listen, we are Christians and we are spiritual. Because when we met Jesus, he is spiritual. Yes. So now I have this secular life and I have this or rather, I have a secular mentality and a spiritual mentality. And we've designed a spiritual Jesus. Yes. Not that that is the Jesus that walked on the earth. No, this is our own. Remember, when you are lost, every definition you have after that is just It's correct confused. for you. But it is correct for you. Yes. So these two identities now we have, a secular and a, a spiritual, trying to merge them exactly. is the problem. Exactly. Now let me give you an example. When you go for a job interview, ah. somebody is told by a panel of seven people that you have never met, these people are, are intimidating. Mm-hmm. These people hold your future because if they can give me a job, yes. my life will be. So these people are not just normal people. Mm-hmm. When you talk of a panel, now these are our panelists. Now these panelists, they come and tell you, okay, in three minutes, can you mm. tell us who you are? Ask yourself, do you stammer to say who you are? No. It takes you You're three clear. minutes to take your whole life and take all your strength and just put mm. them on the table. And you are laying them in such a way where you are saying, listen, this definition I'm giving could be what is holding my And you defend home. it. And you're defending it. Very comfortable. Now go to church <laughs> and tell someone, the same person, tell them, describe who, who you are. are. What is your rod? Somebody stops and says, listen. Mm. Uh, the rod is, is the rod this and this. How comes in church we stammer, we are not sure, we don't know what this is, but in the world I know who I am and I know my strength and listen, I can work under no or minimum supervision. Mm-hmm. But in the church, in the church, stand up, sit down, clap, I can only sing, work under supervision. Make sure you pray this week. What has happened? Christianity. Christianity. Um, I want to get out of this fix. Mm-hmm. I want to quickly arrive at something good. And, and the world around us has shown us that technology can speed up things. Yes. So we think that everything should be speeded up. And that is why in this same journey, yes. God has taken us through a process of understanding our road. And we said that when you talk of the road, 
It, there are three powerful components that I'm sure by now, if you've been tracking, you will know that we've been talking about talent. And this is the innate or inborn yes. talent or gift that God put in you or placed in you for such a season as this. Such a time as this. That's why you're living today. Mm. But on that no, uh, talent, you need to gather knowledge. Now, when you talk about knowledge, you're talking about intellectual and you're talking about mental. Gathering knowledge that will help grow or enhance your talent. When you have done that, now there's something called skills. Or this is a physical or the practicality of the knowledge that you have gathered. Now, when we put all this together, mm -hmm. now we say, listen, that's what we are calling the rod. Mm -hmm. So when God says, what is in your hand? And, yeah. This is what God is asking you. Have you identified your talent? Have you identified that thing that I placed in you? Have you acquired knowledge, gathered knowledge that will enhance that which is inside of you? Mm -hmm. Now, out of that, what are you doing with your hands? Because now going back to the scripture that we love, that whatsoever I put my hands to do, mm. this whatsoever is burst out of talent, the knowledge I've gathered, and now my skill becomes the whatsoever. Optimum function cannot separate the three. Mm -hmm. If you have talent and knowledge only, mm. you are not effective. Okay. There's nothing you're doing. You just know. I know I'm a son of God. Mm. I know I'm called. I know there is power to do this. I know, I know, I know. But nothing is getting done. done. Mm. So you can say the kingdom has come, but the will is not being done. <laughs> That's a good one. The, king, <laughs> the kingdom of God is here, but, but the will is not being done. The two and components. when we do the will of God, when we say your will be done, yes. it is being done so that the kingdoms of this world can become yes. the kingdom of our God and his yes. Christ. Exactly. So you are supposed to be in God's timeline where God says in this generation, we moved from this point yes. to this point. Because yes. like we keep saying that we are here on a journey from Genesis to Revelation. Yes. That's where we are. There you go. So we are looking and telling ourselves in our generation, what will we have crossed? Because uh -huh. right now we look back into our um, yes. yeah, or rather to Abraham and yes. the Moses and the Davids and we're looking at their lives and saying you know what at least they left the baton there you go I mean yes. what are we doing in our so season? you can imagine also if we just take talent and skill mm -hmm. you become dangerous mm. talent and skill because yes. you have no knowledge okay. you don't know where to apply or how to apply mm. or when to apply so you're busy yes but it's, it's like it's like a, a person with a gun okay but does not know what the gun is so he's shooting at anything shoot and everything. At everything. Mm. That's dangerous. So there's somebody with a talent. Yes. They now skill the action part. Yes. But they don't have knowledge. Exactly. So they are applying their talent wrong. Exactly. Can you give us an example? Exactly. In any area, whether it's a sport or skill anything. Or assume, assume that I'm a. Let, let me give you an example of a picture that may not. We're not talking just about negative, but negative outcome. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to say this very carefully, still respecting their memory. Some of the greatest musicians died from drug overdoses. Mm. Why? Talent, skill, no knowledge. Mm. They did not know what it was for. Okay. So they applied it anyhow. Mm. It had great success, but at the cost of their lives. Mm. That's how dangerous not having knowledge. Because the Bible says, how will they call on whom they do not know? So it's one thing to know I'm a skilled musician. Hmm. It's one thing to know that I'm very effective. I mean, we see this playing out everywhere in what we call the celebrity world. Hmm. It's playing out daily. 
The guy has skills. Bam. The music is amazing. But the character that comes from knowledge. <laughs> but the words, the terminology, mm. the behavior, yes. the use, the lifestyle comes from knowledge. So that's dangerous. Having knowledge and skill with no talent, that's also dangerous. I think most people, that's where they are, yeah. where you are gathering any kind of knowledge. Yes, and you're trying to apply it, and you always are not successful because mm. you are not... And let me tell you, this is what we get, the, one of the place we get this a lot, is what we call in the corporate arena. In the corporate arena, people study to move up the ladder. Mm. So you acquire knowledge and skills. In fact, you're told what you need is skills. Mm. What you need is skills. So you have a uh, knowledge. Yes. In this thing that you think that yes. if I get this, I'll, I'll be up, exactly. upgraded, isn't exactly. it? You reach a place of frustration because you are created to operate in your rod, yes. not in a rod, exactly. your rod. Exactly. And why are we saying this? Because when you reach this place where you're feeling like, yes, I have mm -hmm. money. Yes. You know, there are people who don't believe mm -hmm. that you reach a place where money is not what you're looking for. Exactly. You're like, you, I have everything around me, but there's still a void in yes. me. Yes. And what is that? Is when you know, you, when you don't know that you're not operating in your role, in who you're created to be. And frustration comes also when I look at you and feel, you might not have money like me. Yes. But you know what? You seem like you're operating in your role. Exactly. So, not having the road, there's a void in you that is crying out to be filled. Yes, yeah. And then the, the, the worst dimension about the knowledge and skills mm. part mm. that is the ultimate design of Babylon. Mm. Mm. It's the ultimate design. Okay, that is why in, 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 in Babylon we ask you what you are, not who you are, mm. because the who is found in talent. Yes. The what is found in, in, in skills and in knowledge. So you go and acquire skills. Now, the skills you're acquiring and the knowledge you're acquiring for a certain position simply means you're going to be the counterfeit of that person. Mm. <laughs> you're going to be the best counterfeit. It's like, what, what, is a, what is a counterfeit note? A counterfeit note has all the information correct, all the numbers correct, okay. everything except it's not authorized. Mm. It does not come from source, therefore, the denomination it has given itself is false. You get a picture? Mm. It can call itself a hundred dollars. It can call itself anything. And if you don't know the original, yes. you fall for it. And why this is dangerous to me, mm -hmm. even the first part is not as dangerous. Okay. Because talent and skill, you will make mistakes and begin to query yourself. Mm. Okay? Knowledge but and knowledge and skills is deadly because that's exactly how you'll end up with somebody on the pulpit. Preaching with powerful knowledge, very skillful, and lives are not changing. Hmm. Because what is missing? The authorization. Authorization, the seal of God is talent. Mm -hmm. Thank you for watching this episode of the Kingdom Conversations. The big question remains what have you heard? And what are you going to do about it? Keep tracking with us, like, and follow us on our social media handles, The Cyrus Community on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can send in your questions through Facebook or use the email on your screen. And as Micah 4.4 says, May you be found seated under your vine and under your fig tree. Until our next episode, keep it kingdom, keep it pure.